for joining Time Out with PSOA, where sports officials share their stories to help recruit, train, educate not only sports officials, but players, coaches, administrators, and fans. Through this information, we're going to help make us all better for the game. Thank you for taking time out with PSOA. Parents, fans, and players, you ever wonder why officials don't officiate the same way every game? Here's your answer. No game is ever exactly the same. Sports officials must officiate using different styles of officiating based on the level of game, ability of players, and strategy being used while the game is being played. To get a better understanding and perspective on the styles of officiating, our guest speaker, Jake Dillsaver, an NCAA, NAIA, JUCO, and high school basketball official during the night, but by day, Lincoln police officer. We'll be taking time to discuss the different styles of officiating and compare how similar it is in our daily lives in conjunction of keeping peace and order. So, Jake, thank you for taking time out with PSOA. Um, welcome to the show. Any opening words, comments, suggestions of, you know, that comparison of basketball official, law enforcement officer? Yeah, thank you. Uh, hello, Sean. Thank you for having me. Thank you all. Um, I, it's not uncommon in my years of officiating when people learn that I am a peace officer for people to remark, oh, oh, wait a second. There's probably some similarities. You, you probably get yelled at. Uh, with this uniform, similarly to how you get yelled at with the other. Um, and yeah, it, it goes without saying probably that there are some notable parallels. So I'm excited for the topic today. Excellent. And and I love how you turned law enforcement and police officer into peace officer. Um, so those listeners listening to this podcast understand every day I go out and sports officiate a game, my ultimate goal is to allow that game to go as smooth and peacefully as possible. Um, Jake, every every day you go into the office, what are some of those goals you have as a peace officer? Yeah, it's, it's uh, not ironic, like I said, that um, there are some parallels. And certainly in my daily regular job, if you will, my um, regular job, I strive each day. Our The goal in my unit, the goal of my team is to improve the, the lives of people in our community, um, to keep everybody safe, to do our best to serve those that we are led to or that our responsibility and obligation is to try to protect. Excellent. So the first style of officiating, we always start new sports officials with education. We've said it on previous podcasts. Sports officials attend local meetings. Sports officials get into an online learning management system such as UMP app, um, as such as Ref Reps. And we hammer rules, rules, rules. And that style of officiating is first taught to sports officials because we could always hide behind a rule. That, that, that is the first step of coach, this is the rule. This is what the player did. Um, so, Jake, when it comes to rule book, our rule book in sports is, you know, what is a travel? What is a holding foul? What is an illegal attack? 
how is that similar to how they have um, developed you as a peace officer with the law of the land? Yeah, it translates um, pretty pretty similarly from the basketball officiating rule book to the uh, state statute or municipal code in terms of the written law. Um, certainly, there's some room for interpretation of that law. You may be aware that the Supreme Court, for example, has an odd number of justices, and there's a reason for that. Um, two people might look at some, at one thing and not see the exact same thing, right? And so um, this is a, a similarity with um, being a peace officer, the similar similar with being a, a basketball official is the expectation, you know, it's not much. The, the, the fans and the community, they don't ask much. They just want you to be a robot with feelings, right? And so you need to be perfect in, your, in what you see and then also the gray area too. Because from a rule book, when we talk about the style of rule book, so in, in police world, um, similarly, it's the translation of th this is the law. This is what the law says. There's no discretion. There's no um, uh, shifting from it. There's no room for interpretation. This is what the law says. And, and some methods or styles of policing uh, come across or operate as simply a black and white. Yeah, and those listeners out there, um, I, I will say, I will use the rule book style in all safety situations. Sure, uh, again, of course. we're there to protect the game. Certainly. So, so when it comes to jewelry, you know, I, I, I always like using this example of I was w working baseball and a and a player had a chain on with a crucifix, slide into second base, and that crucifix went right into his neck. All right, where the rule says no jewelry, and we got to understand why there's no jewelry. Right. Um, and then same thing with physical play. If a game gets very rough, you know, you're going to see officials throw more flags, call more fouls, turn to that rule book a lot more yeah. because of the safety. For safety, absolutely. Yeah, the same is true in, in policing that, that we reference that and – in a situation where somebody might be in danger uh, or presenting a danger to somebody else or have inflicted physical harm on somebody else, then um, same exact application that this is what the statute says that this meant the, the statute of an assault, for example. And there's a there's a, an accountability component that goes along with that, similar to uh, adjudicating a penalty, whether it be a common foul, for example. Yep. All right. Now the next style is when officials have now started working games. We we've have experience with players, with coaches, with how games are played with different defenses, different offenses. You we actually start learning like what is gonna happen or potentially happen before it happens. And right. if we have a potential situation that we know that's gonna happen, we now try to prevent those situations. Um, so, again, it's that correlation of peace officer and sports official. What are some examples as an official and as a police officer where you have used this style of peacekeeping and preventing situations? Definitely. And you bring up some decent examples with basketball. Um, just last night, I'm working a game where I'm telling the players um, 
smart with your hands, smart with your hands. That's, that's me communicating, not that you've done something wrong, but I want to keep you from doing something wrong, you know, from uh, a, a rule standpoint, but uh, preventative in terms of, of, of verbalizing that before a foul is committed, for example. Um, in the, the police officer world, um, similarly, uh, working with community partners to talk about what the law is on this or what, the, what you should do in this situation, um, ways to keep yourself safe, ways to, to mitigate risks, um, things along those lines. But proactively educating uh, members of the public, working with in partnership to, uh, to maintain the peace, if you will. Yeah, I, I know uh, I'll, I'll use a couple more here. Preventive, three seconds. You know, officials are going to be clear the lane, keep moving to, oh. to avoid that three seconds. Um, and sometimes it's just proximity. Right. You know, we could walk towards a player. We can make eye contact with a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know whenever a police officer gets up to next to my car, and I'd never text and drive, by the way, Jake, um, but I make sure I put my cell phone down so there's no question whatsoever I'm preventing that police officer thinking that I, I'm texting and driving. Um, so pretty cool there. Yeah, that's preventative maintenance for sure. But, yeah, there's a lot of methods of communication besides verbal, right? So physical presence, proximity, that translates to police officer world as well. Um, when um, when police officers are present for an altercation or when there's some kind of confrontation or disruption, uh, simply physically being present um, can sometimes help alleviate whatever did transpire or, or might transpire. And similarly, like you said, with three seconds or, or simply, you, you know, when there's a hard foul or when there's a, a contested blocked shot and you, you step in so that the players know that you're right there or when there's a loose ball on the floor and there's a, a scrum and a tie up and a, and a held ball or a simultaneous possession on the floor. And we stepped in to make sure that they know just the, the presence is there. Um, and that's influencing and preventing any kind of, you know, harm being caused or, or safety threats as well as unnecessary fouls taking place. My heart just left when you said held ball. Beautiful. You know, and that's something in the police officer world where if we if we use language that's in statute, somebody, any any member can Google, you know, your respective state, you know, Arizona, Nebraska, Colorado revised statute. And you can read the language of the law. And the same thing applies in basketball. If we use rule book verbiage, um, I think it number one, it helps us be more educated in what we're applying, but it also helps um, communicate uh, what everybody else is bound by, which is the rule book, right? Absolutely. And, and those listeners who, what are, what's Jake and Sean talking about? A lot of times in a basketball game, when two opponents are holding the basketball at the same time and the officials come up with their two thumbs up, um, the crowd yells jump ball or a coach yells jump ball. The, the correct terminology is held ball. Um, a jump ball will start the game and a jump ball will start overtime period. Um, but a held ball, we'll, we'll use the alternating possession arrow. That's what we're talking about there. All right. We are now past the novice. We, we got the rules under control. We are preventing a, a lot of situations. Um, we're managing the game. Now 
here comes the nuts and bolts. I mean, we're, we're in the nitty-gritty. We're, we're moving up. We have 200 games underneath our belt, and we think we're ready for, you know, the national championship. Um, and, and what a lot of times um, coaches, players, fans, and officials trying to get there don't realize there is a lot of now advantage, disadvantage style of where we know the rules, we know how to apply the rules, but we have to learn when do we as peace officers step in and get involved to adjudicate the rule? Um, does it fit the play? Does it fit the game? Um, so you want to talk a little bit about how we have to now start processing so many more elements of when we see an infraction and does it gain an advantage or does it not gain an advantage? Absolutely. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you, with the intro into this topic. I mean, some, some, somebody way wiser than me put it, the, the balance of the art and the science, right? Um, the science is the rules. The art is the application of the rules. And from a, a perspective of, of basketball officiating, we, we talk about like the game within the game. Right. So the competitive matchups that we know are going to be contested um, with with um, the backstory, um, if, if these teams have a history or if these players have a history, especially if it's recent, um, things like that. And all of those things factor into all of the information that we have to process as basketball officials when we're making a decision, you know, from the stands or from a video standpoint, you look at a, a, what you think is a singular isolated play. Um, in a black and white context. And sometimes in those decisions though, we're calculating the the gravity of this call, what this could lead to if, if it's not enforced or conversely, um, what could happen if it, if it is enforced or if it's enforced incorrectly. Um, and, and kind of a similar thing takes place in, in you know, peace officer world. So I've been a, a peace officer for 15 years, actually the same, um, time that I've been a, a high school basketball official and a collegiate official for a few years shorter than that. Um, but you talk about in, in police officer terms, we talk about aggravating or mitigating circumstances. So a lot of people talk about like being stopped by the police um, for a traffic, you know, for a traffic infraction or speeding or something. But there's a few things that can factor into that, right? So if it's um, two o'clock in the morning and there's zero other, there's no other traffic or no other cars, no other pedestrians, and it's a wide open highway, and how fast, how much over the speed limit was that person going, right? So those are mitigating circumstances, right? Versus potentially aggravating, which might be um, it's a school zone and school just got let out, and there are uh, hundreds of uh, you know, children, you know, eight-year-old kids walking across the street. And this is really reckless driving, although it's the exact, you know, it's it's five over the speed limit in the school zone, right? But those circumstances um, certainly play into the, not just advantage, disadvantage, but like I said, mitigating or aggravating. They factor into the decision-making process, right? And the processing of information. And when you've got more and more games under your belt, like you said, um, and you think you're ready for the world championship, uh, of course, we always want to exercise a bit of humility and know that we've all got plenty of room to grow, right? But you, you, as you reflect on your progression as an official or as a peace officer, you, you have, have some mindfulness of the things that you've learned along the way, and that helps you realize that there's probably stuff you still don't know. 
Yeah, and, and you know, it, right at the beginning of this episode, we talked about everybody listening to this podcast somehow, some way. You are making these same exact decisions every single day. Here's some examples. You know, if you have a child and, and you have a parenting decision to make, um, curfew. You set the curfew at ten o'clock, and they come home at ten o one. Hey, the rule's the rule. You just lost the car for two weeks. Or what are the circumstances? Well, it's it's ten o one because your son or daughter made a safe decision to take their friends home because they needed a ride. You helped right. somebody out. You know, that's you have to take that into consideration as a parent. Right. Um, you have type A and type B personalities or officials. You want them to call everything. It's a foul, it's a foul, it's a foul versus no harm, no foul. Sure. You know, let the kids play versus somebody's going to get hurt out here. Sure. You have to take all this um, into uh, consideration. Um as we get near the end of this episode, Jake, I'm going to ask you the past 15 years as a peace officer, how has being a sports official made you a better peace officer? Yeah, great question. And I think it's a, it's a, a connection um, that translates both directions. But um, in basketball, because of the game within the game that we kind of talked about a moment ago, you've got to process a lot of information and make a decision and have the explanation ready when you made the decision, right? That explanation needs to be in place before you blow your, before you put air in your whistle, right? And similarly, that translates into, into being a peace officer that before making a, a decision to apprehend somebody or to detain somebody, um, you have to have an explanation of, I took these actions because the, the process of justifying what I did has to be preemptive and has to hold water, obviously. Um, it, it's been a, a tremendous uh, career that I've had, but um, certainly like, like we talked about, the, the similarities are frequent from you know, de-escalation in peace officer world to conflict resolution with an upset coach, you know, to communication, whether it's with players, whether it's with partners, being an effective communicator, certainly lots of translation and, and parallels. All right. And so have you ever made a mistake as a sports official? For sure. <laughs> what have you done after you made that mistake to learn from it and to prevent that mistake happening again? Gosh, I think for me personally, and not, you know, not everybody develops the same way, but uh, owning the mistake for me is the biggest, the biggest thing for me. Um, Acknowledging that I made the mistake, whether internally or externally. And of course it depends on your audience, who you're with, your, your comfort level, if it's your, your safe space to, to talk about, you know, what you, what mistake you might've made or a judgment you might've, a rule you might've kicked or something like that. But, um, Certainly for me, that starts with acknowledging it and then growing from it because I can count on both hands and I need a few more hands to look at the mistakes, but I, they're all, they're generally pre- pretty meaningful in terms of um, not making the same one again. And then do you, can you carry that now into the peace officer? When you make a mistake as a peace officer, is it that same owning it and trying to make it right? Definitely. It's a, it's a personal accountability thing, right? And sometimes not everybody knows about it. Um, of course, 
in today's world, no peace officer wants to be the headline. I mean, bar none, but, um, but still on, on a daily basis, knowing, um, I just had a conversation yesterday with a, a coworker about how, how could I do this better? You know? So, um, yeah, it's certainly a translation. The, the last part that we're going to talk about here is social media and what our culture is showing on a continual basis when it comes to peace officers and uh, sports officials. You know, it's not very often do you see the good that comes out of sports officiating or the sure. good that comes out of peace officers. Yeah. And that scares a lot of potential peace officers away and sports officials away. You have as much experience as you have. What kind of advice can you give our listeners to let them know there's so much more safety involved and there's so much reward being a peace officer and sports official? If they're scared to start to forget about being scared, there's so much more good. Yeah, it's easy for us to say when we officiated in a world and and policed in a world without social media, right? But um, I... I think that we we just have to be mindful of what you said, that the good doesn't make the headline, right? And so if you think about the fact that there are, I mean, literally in my city today, there have been thousands, you know, it's in my, it's, I've been at work, it's been five and a half hours into the day right now. And there have been thousands of contacts between citizens and peace officers just in my city alone. And none of them will make the headlines. Um, some of them are great stories. Some of them are stories of, of people helping people, right? Humans connecting with humans. Um, and the same thing with officiating, that there are thousands and thousands of plays that happen, that there's no issue for every, for every play that makes a headline of, wow, can you believe this happened, right? There are thousands of good ones um, that just don't, you know, they don't sell clicks. Well, Jake, I appreciate you taking... The time in time out with PSOA today, giving the perspective of how to apply rules, how to prevent infractions, how to use disadvantage and disadvantage to make that ultimate uh, decision as a sports official. But more importantly, thank you for the community service you have given um, the city of Lincoln as a peace officer. Um, it, it, it truly is remarkable not only what you do, but your fellow coworkers do for the community on and off uh, the court and on and in and out of the community um, that you serve. Well, thank you very much, Sean. I appreciate you having me. Um, I really enjoy the podcast. And, and uh, my only party message, I guess, would be that officiating, there's a lot of people that played sports that enjoyed it. And there's a similar challenge to, you know, to call the perfect game, just like you wanted to uh, make every free throw. Um, there's a similar challenge there. It's a ton of fun and it's very rewarding. The same thing in, in the peace officer world. Um, there, there's uh, applications open um, if you want to go make a difference in your community. And it's, it's, there are challenging times, but there are fun times and there are certainly rewarding times that should be safe. Listeners of the PSOA, take a time out with PSOA podcast. Make sure you follow us on our YouTube channel. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And remember... You're only as good as your last call. A Heard at Sports Network production.